Hello ninjas and ninjats and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. Now I bet that you've never thought about using Fiverr as a lead generator for your business, right? Am I right? Yes, of course I'm right. Nobody thinks of using Fiverr's lead generation. Well, this week I'm joined by Kendall Rizzo, who has done exactly that. She is uh, writing copy for crowdfunding businesses, but that doesn't really matter too much. The point is that she's using Fiverr for lead generation as many service businesses can. So in this episode, we're talking through a few things which are applicable to lots and lots of different companies. Firstly, productizing and finding a niche for your service if you're a service company. And then secondly, how businesses of all shapes and sizes can use Fiverr as lead generation. So really, really fascinating stuff and completely different to uh, to the stuff that we normally talk about on the podcast. So I hope you find it really, really useful. And don't forget, if you want a free review of your website and digital marketing, complete with a custom ninja plan to increase the number of leads and sales that it generates for you, all put together in a lovely 20 minute video by one of our expert marketing ninjas, then head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. Anyway, without further ado, enjoy the show. All right, Kendall, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So you've become known for the amount of money that you make on Fiverr, right? Which is going to sound absolutely crazy to people because, you know, when I heard about it, I was like, okay, so Fiverr, that's where you go to get people to do ridiculously amazing stuff for just $5. So I couldn't imagine that any of the suppliers on Fiverr were making decent money, but you are. So what are you doing differently that other people aren't? Sure, sure. And I was in the same boat as you. When I first started working on Fiverr, I wasn't utilizing it necessarily for the money, thinking that that I was going to be able to make this much money on Fiverr. Uh, I liked the platform and I liked that I could focus on my offering instead of the wide scope of work that you have to do when you bid on jobs and you're constantly changing clients. So I liked the platform, but initially my my goals weren't to make this much money because I didn't know that it was possible. But now I see that there's a lot of people on Fiverr that are doing really, really well. And I'm shocked at the way the orders come in. So, you know, every single day I have orders that come in for 500, 700, $800,000 orders. And I never would have expected this starting with $5 orders. So the thing I think done differently, I can almost say I know I've done differently because I've been on Fiverr twice. The first time it was it was no good. I, I had no messages. Nobody ordered. Nobody asked anything. I didn't have any views. It was just, it wasn't good at all. But I loved the platform. So a couple of weeks after my first failed attempt, I went back in and I made a new profile for crowdfunding. So in this page, I just did crowdfunding. I didn't have, I didn't offer one other thing. I, I did press releases for crowdfunding, marketing for crowdfunding, obviously writing the actual crowdfunding campaign. And Within three hours of posting that profile, I had someone that ordered once, I delivered, they ordered again and again. So within three hours, I started to see the difference. And I remember the next morning waking up and having a bunch of orders in my mailbox. And um, I mean, a bunch, I was like three, but at the time that was a big deal because before that I was having to bid on so many jobs just to get one job. So the fact that I woke up and had orders in my mailbox from when I was sleeping was like, 
it was huge. It's, it's, it's super interesting, isn't it? Because you're using Fiverr in a way that I think wouldn't, you know, a lot of service businesses that are listening would never ever consider of using Fiverr as lead generation or would consider putting their services on Fiverr. But what you've done, and I think what your example shows us is that actually, if you're a service company, and you can niche and productize your offering to an extent that it works really well on Fiverr. Actually, this is basically the Amazon for service companies, right? They're providing the traffic, yeah. like you say. That traffic is already there. There's already people searching for this stuff. So if you're like an accountant or you're an architect or, you know, I guess whatever, if you're a service company, it's probably worth having a look at this because there's there's something here, isn't it? You're not having to drive any traffic yourself. And No, I don't spend any money on marketing. I don't pay to be on the site. Obviously, they take a, a portion of a small portion of my sales, but that's only after I close the sale. So there's no upfront costs, which is really important when you're first starting out freelancing. I didn't have the money to create a website or really do anything. So I needed to find when I actually when I speak to high schools or I do speeches, I say that I was the OG lean startup because I, I didn't have any money because I didn't have any money. It wasn't like I was trying to be lean. I just didn't have money at first to start. And I don't think a lot of freelancers do, but they know they want to start making money on the side or, or doing it full time. And Fiverr is a great place to do that because, you know, they say you need, what is it, six or seven points of contacts before someone will actually buy from you, right? So that's a lot of work to get in front of someone six, seven times just in order to close one sale. But with Fiverr, they do all the marketing for you. So you kind of establish credibility instantly but by being on their site. Yeah, it's really interesting. I've actually got, um, we're, we're going to be interviewing one of the, uh, or the, the head of marketing, I think for Fiverr later on. So I think it's a, it's a really interesting angle that I don't think many people are, are kind of focusing on. Oh, oh, before we talk about kind of niching and, and productizing your service like like you've done. What made you choose Fiverr rather than more common freelance sites like Upwork and what used to be Freelancer and Elance and all of those? Isn't Fiverr just full of cheapskates looking for really low-end stuff? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I thought at first too. Um, but I was previously on Elance and I was on other freelance sites. Another, Those are other great sites to get started and start kind of, I used them to network as well, just to meet potential clients, to ask them questions, to learn about my audience. But the problem for me was that if you're a freelancer who wants to keep good communication, you want to over deliver and you want to give lots of value to your client, these three things alone are really, really time consuming and they can eat up, you know, 90% of your schedule. So it doesn't leave a lot of time left over for bidding on different jobs. And what I noticed is when the employer was setting the scope of the work, so the employer is saying, I need a, a blog that's 300 words and I need it by Friday. When they were setting the scope, I wasn't able to make the adjustments I needed to get the results they wanted. So I was getting frustrated with how the job that was supposed to be outsourced to an expert was being dictated by the employer, which is okay. That's just the process. But I felt like I could give more, better results, which is really what we all want. You know, no one wants to pay for a blog. What they want is they want traffic. They want visibility. They want sales. So if I could help them reach those goals through packages that I design under my, with my scope and, and my methods, this is what drew me to Fiverr. And then on top of that, you take out the bidding and all the other things that are involved with uh, the traditional freelance sites. And I noticed I was saving so much time. Fiverr also has a integrated kind of messaging system. 
And they also have a, like a to-do list in there for you. So it's super organized and all in one place. So you know what is due, when it's due, the notes about the client. It's, it's super, super organized. And this is another thing I noticed when I was freelancing kind of on the traditional sites is that it was tough to communicate because every company uses different platforms and they use different ways to communicate. They use different software. So by the time I just got set up with a new company, that was a day's worth of work to get, you know, acclimated to a different system. So this is kind of a place where I can work with buyers and they can work with me and we meet on the same platform. So I'm never like going through old emails. You know how it's the worst feeling when you spend like you waste time in your day trying to find that old email that you know is there and you can't find it. With Fiverr, it's just here's your orders, here's your clients and here's their their notes and messages. So it allowed me to spend time on what I love doing most, which is helping people reach their goals. I th- there's some really interesting stuff here. I think the fact that it's kind of like you say, you're setting the scope of the work. So there's probably a lesson for people here about how they productize their own business. And then it's also, I know from, you know, from buying stuff on Fiverr, it's very specific about what you need to um, what you need to supply before the work begins, isn't it? So it's kind of taking care of that initial, that, that you know, when we're building a website, the, the hardest thing is always to get the client to send over any information or any copy, right? It just, it takes months sometimes to get these guys to send over copy, whereas Fiverr's like, okay, before this begins, you need to send over these, this, 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 you need to send over your logo, you need to send, and it's all kind of systemized for you, isn't it? So then you just log Very in and succinct. you can see. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So um, that, that's the that's the kind of execution and how that's um, and how that's kind of uh, processed nice and smoothly. But um, you've niched your service. You mentioned going from just being general to, to being very specific on crowdfunding and helping people write crowdfunding pitches right, or, or design crowdfunding campaigns. So I think this is something that a lot of businesses could, could benefit from if they're you know general to, to everyone. They can focus down in one specific area and, and provide more value. So what what do you think the benefits are of, of niching down in this way? And, and why did you decide to do it? Well, like I'd said, I, when I first started freelancing, I, I was struggling. I was fighting for every client. And the only thing I knew how to do was just to go in with a lower price. So unfortunately, I was selling my services for a low price. And it's kind of a tough spot to put yourself in because when you start selling for a lower price, clients automatically think that there's low quality to your work or low value. So Um, I was definitely thinking of ways to bring more value to my clients, but also be able to charge a premium price. Because once you start freelancing, you realize pretty fast that unless you're charging premium pricing, that's really the only way you're going to make a living as a freelancer. It's just, it's just the way it goes. I mean, you can't make a living off of $5 an hour jobs. It's just, it just doesn't work, especially, you know, living in the U S or, you need to charge the premium pricing, but that's a hard leap to make, especially in the beginning when most people, a lot of freelancers I work with and myself included in the beginning say, well, I'm not an expert at anything. You know, I've done this, I've done that, but I'm not really an expert, you know? And this is where I think you need to have confidence in yourself and first choose, instead of worrying about the niche that you have to create your expertise in, think about the people you want to work with. So do you want to work with business owners? Do you want to work with solo entrepreneurs? Do you want to work with, I mean, there's a, do you want to work with small business brick and mortars? Do you want to work with, I mean, there's like all these different niches of 
um, or different small markets, big markets, whatever. Um, but you know, the more specific you get, um, the easier it is to speak their language, the easier it is to speak to them. And then you go to that audience, which mine was, you know, startups and, and entrepreneurs, and you, you go to them and you ask them, what are you struggling with? What's on the calendar for next month? What do you have coming up? And you'll find that you don't have to do some massive survey to see that if you have chosen your market, um, gotten your market small enough where you within, I think I surveyed, you know, or I asked maybe three or four clients. I mean, this is a really small number and they're all saying the same thing. Well, we have our new product and we're thinking about doing a crowdfunding campaign before we do our launch on the website, because then we could get some capital. You know, they, they went through this and out of the four clients that I was talking to, I think two or three of them were ready to do a campaign. So, and at first I said, well, I don't know anything about crowdfunding. I can't do that. So and then I started researching and I thought, no, I can do this. This is like, this is right in my wheelhouse. I can do this. So I went back to the clients and I said, I've never written a campaign before, but I have written a lot of other things. So um, I would love to work on your campaign because I'm just starting in this arena. I would love to give you a discount on my normal prices um, for this campaign. Once you get, once I had my first couple campaigns, it then it was, it was like I had a, some case studies to go to future clients with. So I guess long story short would be pick your audience first, then find out what they need. And then that is your niche. So it it's definitely has to be audience first. That's a really good advice. I think it's killer for any marketing, isn't it? You always start with the audience. What What's the, what's the primary need that they've got and how can you serve that best? So you, you spoke to your audience. You found out that a lot of them were thinking about crowdfunding even though you didn't have any experience in crowdfunding, you just, you, you got some experience by offering them a discount. So you had a body of work to look at. And, and, and then once you have that, then obviously you can start noticing similarities between different campaigns, which means that you can systemize things your end. You don't have to put in so much time, but at the same time, the clients are getting a better quality of work because there's working with someone who's experienced in their niche. There's not really much to lose from, is there? (laughs) And also people instantly. This is another strange thing that I saw happening. And at first, I think I might have thought that it was luck or just a, some, you know, just a coincidence. But when I started, instead of going to a client saying, do you need anything? I'll do anything. This, this didn't really go over. You know, this didn't really land me those, these premium prices that I wanted to sell my services at. But when I started going in as uh, I'm a crowdfunding expert. I work with crowdfunding campaigns, specifically these types of campaigns, rewards campaigns, Kickstarter, Indiegogo. All of a sudden, they not only did they ask me to write their campaign, but they asked me to write their email marketing. They asked me to write their website copy. And, and I never had written website copy before or you know a specific job just for website copy. And I asked them, but I, I don't write website copy. And they said, yes, but we want a professional. So it's it's interesting that as soon as you become, you know, an, you establish yourself as an expert in one market, people tend to see you as a professional, as an expert. So it's just an interesting perspective that clients have, but it makes sense. You know, if you're going to, if you want to, I just use this example, but if you're going to the dentist and you saw that your dentist is also a mechanic, would you want to go to that dentist? Of course not. You want a dentist who is a dentist and an expert at working with your teeth. You know, we all want an expert. So it's no surprise that our freelance clients are the same. 
Yeah, that's that's so true. So even though you're you're kind of niching your front end offer, actually, once you build that relationship, you find that that leads to it kind of naturally leads into other work anyway, which so, you know, people might be scared. And I think one of the things that would stop people from going niche would be that they'd be worried that they'd be restricting the amount of, of work they get. So of I course, guess that's yeah. one answer yeah. to that is, well, you're just using this as a kind of front end. It's just a way to get an introduction, right? But I guarantee any freelancer who's worried about that, and I was too, I was really scared. You know, you don't want to tell someone, no, I don't do that. I I beg any freelancer who's worried about it to just try it. Try just promoting your services in one small niche. And it's just, it really changes everything. And instead of having a pool of, I'm just using random numbers, but instead of having a pool of a thousand people where you you only get, uh, you know, 1%, you only get 10 people. But now you maybe have a pool of a hundred people, but you can almost get all 100 of those if you're an expert, you know? So you go from 10 clients to 100. Yes, your pool got smaller, but your percentage of people goes way up because you're speaking to such a, a small specific group. You can speak their language. You can, you know their problems, you know their fears, you know their goals. And if you can speak to that, it's just, it becomes, I'm not a salesperson, but when I can speak to a client and I know where they're going, I know where they've been, I'm speaking their language. It's very organic to close a sale this way. And that is by nailing down your audience first. Okay, that, that's, that's super interesting. And what, what about people who are, they're thinking of niching but, or niching and then they're like, oh yeah, but I don't know if that's the right one because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put all my eggs in that particular basket. How can people figure out which niche is right for them? So I, I struggled with this when I started to help other freelancers because I really like working with other freelancers, but I'm a crowdfunding expert. So what, you know, like I didn't, yeah. I didn't know if that was going to like confuse people or, or lose clients, you know? So the only thing I can say about that is just experiment. So talk to different clients and usually it's really easy to see either you can do both or usually one will kind of take like a fast lead. Some markets are just more receptive than others. I would say if you're thinking, I love doing this, but I also love doing this, try them both. I would say explore them both because there's more than, we all know that there's more than enough ways to promote a, a business or a blog or write some articles and, and kind of test the market, go into forums, you know, talk to people, how bad are they struggling for help, things like this. So I would just say explore both of them and really you don't have to limit yourself to, I know that sounds counterintuitive because niche is like choosing one thing, but if you have two things that you're really passionate about, and you really can't decide, just explore them both. One may not be a, a legitimate market or one may be much better than the other. I think you made a really good point about it sounds like niching would just be one thing, but actually you can have multiple niches because when we're building a website and someone's offering a whole bunch of different services, we'll say, okay, at the moment you've got all of your services listed on one page, but if you actually have a separate page for each of those services, you can go into way more depth and you can kind of, it's kind of niching you know, your your whole body of services and saying, we've got an entire page about this. We've got testimonials geared around this particular service. We've got all the FAQs that people might have about this this thing. So I guess it's, it's using that, isn't it? It's just what we're talking about here is we're offering, we're talking about giving a really targeted message to someone with a very specific need. 
that's all we're really doing with niching. So you don't have to restrict yourself to one niche. You could be a crowdfunding expert and a whatever, like a sales copy expert or something like that. It's just the point is just to not be general. Yeah. And you can even combine two uh, niches, what I, which I think is really cool because talk about becoming an instant expert. If you add two things together, chances are you immediately put yourself in the top 10 of that niche, if not number one. I have a friend who bakes cakes and she started a cake baking business and she's been doing this for a long time and it's a successful business. But she says, well, if I go online and I create an online class or e-course or whatever the product is, there's so many of them out there. But she's also a mom. She's also a cheerleading coach. She's also... So put them together. So now you can start saying how to bake with your kids or how to run a cake baking business when you have kids or how to be more productive while you're baking when you have a family. You know, these types of things, when you combine two things that... um make you unique and you put them together now now who is her competition i don't know but i'd assume a lot less than when you're just going into baking alone yeah and there are going to people there are going to be people who are maybe like dads or something that would see that and go okay that's not relevant for me but the benefit that she'll have from getting that really close fit with all the mums who read that will massively outweigh the sector of the market which she's not going to be qualified for anymore yeah and you even even for someone, okay, so I'm not a mom, but maybe I see it if I want to get baking and I say, well, if a busy mom can do it and I'm, a, I'm, I'm single, I don't have the distractions and I can be more productive while I bake. She's an expert on being a productive baker. I'm going to order this even though I don't have kids. So when you establish yourself as an expert, people get, people are drawn to you, even if they're not your specific niche, which is really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, I want to, I wanted to ask you about maybe larger companies. So from the freelancer perspective upwards to maybe an accountancy firm. I guess um, sites like Fiverr could potentially use, you know, could be used as lead generation for these companies. Have you got any thoughts about how a larger company like an accountancy firm, for example, that offers online accountancy might use Fiverr for lead generation? Sure. So for larger companies um, and smaller companies obviously can do this as well, but it's a great place to talk with people who are interested in your services because if they reach out, they're interested and that you possibly never would have gotten through your website or even just brick and mortar type traffic or, you know, the phone book or however people are getting a hold of them now or Google, uh, not the phone book, but <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the yellow pages. <laughs> um, Remember that. <laughs> no, but, yeah, but um, so however, you're getting your traditional traffic going through Fiverr is going to open up doors for a completely different type of traffic. And then you also can ask them questions. So this is something I do with all my clients as I ask them, what are your goals? What, what are your fears? What are, you know, what do you want to achieve? So this is a great place because like I said, it's so succinct and it's so easy to even give canned responses. You know, you want to give a survey, but you want it to be personal. So you can go in and message the people who write you and say, hey, what, what are your goals? Or what is your problem with your current accountant? Or when do you want to file next year? I don't, I don't know what kind of questions accountants ask. But yeah. <laughs> um, you can ask those type of questions. And this would be more difficult. And you definitely have to pay for it if you push traffic to your site. So now you're getting a different market, which is still your, your, your target market. But 
people who wouldn't have naturally gone to your site, but they're flipping through Fiverr and you can talk to them and learn more about them. And it's a much, much easier way to do it than, um, through traditional, a traditional website. Um, other than that, Fiverr is a great way to package your services. So sometimes we get so wrapped up in our services that they, they don't become very lucrative. I think a lot of freelancers run into this, you know, we want to give so much value. We want to do a good job. We want the recommendation, the testimonial, but it requires a lot of hours. So, you know, you still have to think about your bottom line. So when you start productizing your services, you know, packaging them for the best results, you kind of implement that 80, 20, uh, principle where you start focusing on what am I doing for the clients that, uh, have the most reward, the most results for my clients. So when you start productizing, you start of kind of shifting your view of your, your services. You know, when I go to that meeting and I sit for an hour and I listen to this company's meeting, what, what, what's to gain there? You know, is that a valuable hour spent? Probably not. But if I'm researching competition or doing this or doing that now, we start to see results. So you start to shift your view of your, your services. One of the things that we're always banging on at people to do is say that they were a local accountant or an online accountant to offer some kind of initial consultation, which will be free of charge, right? So it might be like, let us find out areas of untapped profit in your business or something. And, and they'll typically be driving Google AdWords traffic to this, they might be driving SEO traffic to this, and they'd have a call to action on their on their page, which would, uh, which would sell this free consultation. So what you're saying is you could go on Fiverr instead, productize that free consultation or that some initial piece of work, even if it's, it's something that you'd previously have charged, you know, significantly more for. And you could offer that on Fiverr just as a way of starting a conversation with someone. And then if they like the work that you give them there, then all of a sudden you've got a client and it doesn't have to have anything to do with $5, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and think about it. We're normally paying for traffic or feedback. Uh, usually we're paying kind of a lot to get feedback. So if you can do for $5, you want to do, and the $5 is only for your first 10 orders, by the way. After, after that, you can go up in pricing. So like, I think my packages are now, most of my packages are between 500 and 1000. So if you were an accountant, you could still do, you know, for me, I would rather, I would much rather go on Fiverr and pay a hundred dollars to talk to an accountant for an hour and say, okay, what, what's going on here with my, my taxes or my, whatever it is, then go through Google, find a local accountant, drive out there, bring all my paperwork, you know? So give them like, give them the express option that people feel like maybe they don't have somewhere else. So it's a cool way to try out other services also. So you get those first 10 orders, you know, you do them for $5 or, you know, you get through that trial period and then you start charging premium pricing and and you can do really cool stuff with it. That's so interesting. It's just so, un I'm, as soon as we finish this, I'm going to go and put our free website marketing review on Fiverr. It's just, I can't believe I haven't done it already. It's such a good idea. And you can, but the accountants can also niche. So I've always said that startups, solo entrepreneurs, they're kind of, this is new, right? This is relatively new. This word solo entrepreneur startup, it wasn't really a thing, you know, whatever, 50 years ago. So they're still finding a place in freelancers as well. We're still finding online marketing. We're still finding our place in the, the career market, the workplace. We don't really have special insurance for our, our job. We don't have special accountants for our job and, and, it, and it'll all fall into place. But why not, if I was an accountant, 
for just to keep with the example, why not market to them? Say, I'm an accountant for solo entrepreneurs or I'm an accountant for startups. So I offer three packages and you can get an express consultation. And then if you want, I can, you, you know, the, the packages are just solely based on what the needs of a, of a freelancer, of a, an entrepreneur, a startup, things like this. Yeah, and, and that'd make it appeal so much more to that audience, wouldn't it? We've actually got a client who does exactly that. I want to ask you about how you market your services on, on Fiverr. I know you don't drive any traffic, but you still have a, you have like a product page on Fiverr, don't you, where you tell people about what you do. And, and have you got any tips for, for how you present your offering once you're on the site? Well, at first, because I wanted to just super fast go through all those $5 orders. I did offer just really crazy offers. I said that I would write your campaign in 24 hours, or I would write five emails for your marketing for your um, email copy for your marketing campaign for the crowdfunding campaign. I said I would do that in five emails in two days or something like this. So, but I didn't mind because I would rather get the experience of doing something really cool and learning more than just trying to bring down my value to meet that $5 price tag. So I didn't really worry about that at first. And then I started to get really busy. So obviously I changed my copy and I focused on just the crowdfunding copy that I was writing and the need for crowdfunding. And then my final change was made when I started interviewing my clients. So I interview all my clients. I just send them, not an interview, but I send them a few questions and they an- they answer it. And I take those words and I kind of study them. And you'll I see a lot of words used over and over. And then I use them in my uh, marketing copy. So I make sure that I'm speaking that the dialect of my audience uh, in words that they can understand, not understand, but in, in speaking their language. So that's basically how I do my copy. And I haven't changed it in a long time. I probably should update it, but it's one of those, you know, you don't, don't fix something that's not broken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but this is, this is like a really cool thing about creating your niche is once you choose your audience and you learn about them, it's like, you know how to speak their language, you know, like, you know, moms, when moms are talking, they're like, they can almost just look at each other and they know what the other one is thinking like, Oh my God, I can't believe my kid did that. You know? <laughs> so they, every small market has their own dialect. And once you start speaking it as a seller in on Fiverr or anywhere, there's, there will be a connection between you and a potential sale and they'll feel like, okay, this person really gets what I'm going through. Yeah. That, that's, that's really good advice. Cool. Finally, Kendall, this has been, and it's been absolutely fascinating. If you could start over with your second Fiverr journey, what would you differently? Would you do different, anything differently at all? Or, or would you just, I guess you'd niche sooner, right? Yeah. I wish I would have not gone through the struggling in the beginning because it was tough because it took me a long time to go out and freelance. And then you think, Oh my gosh, do I not have what it takes? Or do I have to go back (laughs) to a nine to five or this is not good, you know? Um, and I was always raised, you know, you just work harder, work harder, more hours, but there's only so many hours in a day. It wasn't working. This, this mantra of work harder, work harder. So Uh, if I could start over again, I definitely would have created a niche earlier and I probably would have even niched further. I think I would have gone with just maybe consumer facing products or really dove deep into one specific type of crowdfunding. If I could do it again, I think I might do that because I just really believe in, in the power of creating this really specific niche. Awesome. 
Kendall, thank you so much. This has been Small, really, really interesting me. and completely different to, to anything we've done before. So I think people will find it really useful. Where, where can people find out more about you? Sure. So I have a crowdfunding website up where people can get information about crowdfunding and that's uh, successfullyfunded.co. And that's just a resource that I've built over the years so that people, you know, they can have information about crowdfunding. It's sometimes a tough thing to get started on. And uh, the more information entrepreneurs have, I think the better they can figure out if crowdfunding is a good fit for them. And then I just recently in the past six months or so started helping other freelancers get started because I realized that I'm, I feel like I have things that I can share to help people kind of fast track their freelance career. So that's at leadandlaunch.com. That's leadandlaunch.com. Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. And that's helping freelancers productize. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Kendall. Thank you for having me. And thank you everyone for listening. Remember, if you've enjoyed this episode, then head over to uh, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found it. Leave us a lovely rating and review. But thank you for listening and tune in next week.